Good morning, Zion. Uh, today we are doing the second part in our series, and we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 to 24, and we're going to be talking about hardship in mission. I want to remind you last week, Tiffany did an incredible job just explaining and introing this series, but one thing that she said that I want us to continue to remember week after week is this. We are ordinary people sent with authority from a supernatural God. We are ordinary people sent with authority from a supernatural God. Every single one of us is called to be on mission. None of us have superpowers. That's God's job. And so when Jesus sends out the 12 disciples, he gives them instructions on how to do it, what to say, where to go, and what it's going to be like. But he gives them his authority. So when you're thinking about mission, we're thinking about this, think about this as something that the entire church is supposed to do. If you're watching this, listening to this, you are supposed to partake in this. And so we're going to be talking, uh, uh, like I said, in verses 16 uh, to 24, 25. And uh, as Tiffany said last week, the mission is important, it's urgent, but Jesus also explains that it's not easy. That's what we're going to talk about today. So let's read. Uh, you'll see that if you're watching with us online that you can just click the Bible link and open up to Matthew chapter 10. Uh, and if not, open your Bible at home. Maybe you actually have your physical Bible because you're at home. You can do it on your phone or just listen along with us. Matthew chapter 10 verse 16 begins Jesus speaking. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brothers will deliver brother over to death and father, his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next for truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the son of man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? What a passage where Jesus really begins to set up his disciples for what he's sending them out to do. He starts off by saying this, that you are going out to wolves. Jesus is not sending the disciples on an easy ride along. He's not saying that you're just going to go out, it's going to be really great, you're going to be happy the whole time. You know, uh, you're, you know, and a lot of times when people think about mission trips, they think of like going to a new country. They think of like maybe you're going to a place that you've never been to and you're excited and this is going to be great. Jesus says, he, he, he starts off this passage by saying, you are going to be sent out to the wolves. And he is sending them now, not as a wolf to combat a wolf or a lion to combat a wolf. He is sending them out as sheep 
among wolves. Have you ever wondered what a fight would look like between a sheep and a wolf? Well, uh, it doesn't take long to imagine. It's going to be pretty bloody and it's not going to be any of the blood on the wolf's of the wolf, but it's going to be a lot of blood from the sheep. See, there's this, I think there's this idea, this false idea in the church that God is just going to protect us from all physical harm, from all harm all over the place. And we're just going to, to live these peachy lives. In fact, there is a, a gospel out there, and I put that in quotations because it's a false gospel that, that says if, if there's anything, any hardship that you go through, anything that hurts, then it's not of God because if it is of God, then it's always going to be good. It's always going to be elevation. It's always going to be promotion. It's always going to be better. It's always going to be healing. But when Jesus sends out his 12 disciples, he says, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves right? This, this, he is sending them into what is going to be physical harm. And this is God sending them into it. Jesus is literally sending them into dangerous situations where this is not going to be easy. This is going to be really hard. In fact, it's going to be really painful. This is going to be excruciating. If you think about how a sheep would interact in a pack of wolves, what does it look like? That sheep is going to be devoured. And that is what the mission is that Jesus is sending us out into. When Jesus says to the disciples, will you lose your life for my sake? He is not talking theoretical here. When Jesus poses that question to me and you today, he is not talking theoretical, although today that is much more of a theoretical question in the West because the church is not losing their lives when we talk about missions. And it's one of the reasons that we are blessed to live where we live, that we can speak our mind without that. But when Jesus sends out his disciples here, he is sending them out into hardship. He is sending them out into persecution. Many times we have been sent out by God into a hard situation and we have rebuked it as being the devil. And I want us to understand something here because I think it goes against a lot of American Christianity, a lot of Western thought that tells us if our life is not full of happiness, if it's not something that should be envied on Instagram, if it is not full of elevation in every place that we go, then it is not something of God. And that is just Western garbage theology. God calls his people into hardship. In fact, whenever we see the people of God called into the mission in scripture, it is synonymous with being called into a life of hardship. And we have disconnected our theology so far from suffering, so far from hardship, so far from persecution, that we have, in essence, also disconnected ourselves from mission. And if we look at why mission in the American church, when we think about it, we think of helicopters dropping thousands of, thousands of Easter eggs into an Easter egg hunt, and we don't think about it as doing the hard work of 
actually speaking truth to power, of, of going out into uncomfortable, uncommon places, of saying things that will cause you to lose family, to lose friends. We don't think about that things and we do think about the pretty things because we have this Western ideology that if it's hard, it's not of God. Only the devil will call us into hardship or bring hardship into our life. But yet here's Jesus. He says this clearly, behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. We have to look toughly at our theology. If God calls us into hardship, would we rebuke him? If God calls us into hardship, would we say, no, that's not of God, that's not what I want? Because our theology, our understanding of God shapes what we believe God is saying to us. And many of us, God has spoken to us, has called us into very uncomfortable, very hard places, even places that may cause persecution in our life but we have rejected those things because of the Western theology that says God will never ask me to do something that is hard, uncomfortable, or maybe even dangerous and life-threatening. So Jesus sends us into dangerous, hard places, but then he uses these two other animals, and I love there's four animals we get. We get the sheep, the wolf, and then we have the serpent and the dove. And so when he sends us into these dangerous places, he says there's two animals that we must be like. The first animal is that we are supposed to be wise as a serpent. I love this because Jesus is saying, be wise about how you witness. So don't get into needless persecution. All right, I see this, this is the, the other side of the coin where well, Christians will, will, will just do dumb things, honestly. And they'll get in trouble for it and they'll start crying persecution. Oh my gosh, did you see what this person did to me? And it's like, well, you shouldn't have said that to them. That was mean. That wasn't the gospel. That was just, that was rude what you did. You are adding stumbling blocks there. Some of you have been persecuted not because of the gospel, but simply because of stupidity. And God is not saying just go out there and blast everybody and who cares, what not, you know, put it away and walk into the sunset. No, Jesus says this in his next breath. He says, be wise as a serpent, which means we have to actually think about what we're going to do. We have to actually pray about what we're going to do. That we have to, when we, when we go out, that there is a sense of, man, is this the right time, God, to share this with this person? Is this a open door of witness? Is this the right place to do it? And when I think about uh, mission, a lot of times growing up uh, in church in Sunset Park, when we thought, thought of outreaches, we did outreaches on street corners. And they were wildly successful. I mean, I, I still think it's hysterical how many grown people would sit down, I'm talking like 40, 50, 60 year olds would sit down to watch our puppet shows <laughs> on Fifth Avenue and Sunset growing up. Like thinking back on it now, it's just 
It was incredible. We would get crowds of like 100 to 200 people and we'd do these puppet shows, we'd do these skits, we'd have people share testimonies, we'd have someone share the gospel and at the end of that, people would come up to receive Jesus and we'd see people get healed, we'd see people, uh, we'd pray over people that were demon-possessed and we'd see them be healed of that as well and it was really this, this, what Jesus was talking about here. You'd have people go by, spit on us, scream at us, curse us out, and it was, it was a beautiful picture of what Jesus is talking about here. But what happened in Sunset Park over time is you saw a lot of the legalist people begin to do this. And so, you know, I can still picture it now. Sometimes if still to this day, you'll see the dude in the suit with his microphone and his, his little uh, boom box and he'll put it on the corner and he'll just be screaming at everybody goes by and says, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're wearing earrings, you're going to hell. It's like Oprah handing out free cars. This guy was handing out hell cards to everybody. You're wearing makeup, you're going to hell, you're wearing pants, you're going to hell, you know, you're wearing a tank top, you're going to hell. And this is, this is what began to happen. And so over time, really the people of Sunset got so annoyed at this that they actually, the community board passed a rule that there were no permits allowed for any outdoor speaking in Sunset Park because they were tired of the church just telling people that they were going to hell every week. And so what does it look like when Jesus says to be wise? We have to be wise about how we are engaging people. We have to be wise about the method. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago about the methods that we are using. We always proclaim the gospel. The gospel never changes. But how we do it, when we do it, where we do it, takes wisdom that we get from the Holy Spirit. And then when we are there, we don't have to be anxious about what we are going to say. We don't have to be anxious about what is going to happen because the Spirit will fill us with the words to say. I think this is one of the main things that the church needs today, and it's just simple wisdom. What's interesting is when you look at the Old Testament, you look at wisdom and personified, really it's a pointer to Christ. And so if we have wisdom, in James 1 it says, ask of wisdom, and it will be granted to you abundantly. Church, I'm not, we're not asking you to blow up your next family barbecue and just tell everybody that they're going to hell and you don't ever wanna see them again. I don't think that would be wise. But what I am saying is that at the next family barbecue, you can go in prayerfully and ask God, God, what is the open door? What is your hand doing that I can join you in? Because we know that God brings the growth but we plant the seed and we water that seed faithfully. And over time, that seed will grow. And so ask, maybe somebody else planted the seed and you're coming in and you're watering it. Maybe this is not the first time it's being watered. Maybe it's the 30th time that it's being watered, but you walk into your job situation, walk into your family situation, walk into your home situation, into your neighborhood situation and prayerfully ask, God, what are you doing here? so that I can join you in your work to see people come to know you. The second thing that Jesus says is to be as gentle or innocent as a dove. And I love that Tiff said this, that it is not your job to force people into the gospel. Your job is to proclaim 
the gospel. And people will either reject it or they will accept it. People will reject Jesus or they will accept Jesus. But it is not our job to force them into acceptance. And so often we have not taken the stance of the dove and we have taken on the role of the Holy Spirit, which is the role of conviction and drawing unto God. And we have forced our will on other people. And that's why people get a sour taste of Christians. You know, whenever you hear about a Christian, your first thought many times is, is this person going to be preaching to me? You know, sometimes I'll be honest. When I meet somebody and they, you know, I'm, it's kind of like a, 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 a new friend or something like that. And they are just like constantly, they have, are going in on everything and pointing out everything. And it's like, Justin, you're doing this and this, you need to do this. And it just, you know, goes down that rabbit hole of legalism and they can get annoying. And if I'm a Christian and it gets annoying to me, can you imagine how non-Christians will feel as if you are trying to forcefully stuff an ideology down their throat that they are rejecting? It is not our job to force people to accept Jesus. It is our job to faithfully proclaim the gospel. And, and when, when I say proclaim, I, I wanna make this distinction that it is our job to verbally actually tell people the good news of Jesus Christ. We can do that through a testimony. We can do that through a scripture. We can do that through a conversation. We can do that through sharing the story, the, the, the Christmas to Easter story, which is the birth of Jesus to Good Friday, the death of Jesus to Easter, the resurrection of Jesus to the ascension, then the Pentecost to the coming down of the Holy Spirit. We can tell it through the narrative of celebrations in our life. There's many ways to share it, but we must actually open our mouth and share it. But once we do that, it's the person's choice to reject it or to accept it. And we cannot force them into that. And so it's not our job to force society into it. It is not our job to create, say, a, a, a system that at gunpoint says you either convert or you die. In the Middle Ages, this was the posture of the church. If you were a pagan, you were killed. There were laws put against you and you were dragged into jail. This is not our job. It's the Holy Spirit's job to draw people. If people reject Jesus, then they reject him. What do we do? We, we brush the dust off of our feet and we move on and we share it to somebody else. And so if we have a church that uses wisdom and a church that is gentle and innocent, what happens is we will be showing people the gospel in a way that they've never seen it before. Because so often the church has been forceful and so often the church has been unwise. And so Jesus is saying, no, think of the serpent and think of the dove. And when you put those things together, I'm sending you like that into these dangerous, into these hard situations. See, Jesus was preparing the disciples for what was to come. 
Persecution in the Bible was not people taking down your internet post. You know, it was, it was not Facebook censoring your post and, and getting in a tizzy about it. It was not being told that you are intolerant and somebody blocking you on a text message or even your rights being taken away. That is not the persecution that Jesus was talking about. The persecution that Jesus was preparing them for was where their life would be taken away, where they would be beaten, jailed, and killed because of what they were preaching and what they were saying. See, it was well-documented in the book of Acts what happened when the disciples went out and began to preach after Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit descended. They were first taken into the synagogues and they were flogged just as Jesus told them was going to happen. And then after that, as they began to preach to the Gentiles, you see that they were taken before governors, Gentile governors, and then ultimately Paul was taken before Caesar where he was able to give a defense for Christianity and in church history believes that Paul was able to preach to Caesar. And we see that happening over and over and over again until you see Caesar himself in, in Constantine almost 300 years later convert to Christianity. Right, when, when Jesus told them this, he was preparing them for true hardship. They were going to be beaten. They were going to be killed. Their lives were going to be lost. They were going to lose their family. They were going to lose everything that they knew. Their property was going to be seized. Their wealth was going to be taken from them. Their health was going to be taken from them. Their security was going to be taken from them. But they were still going to go out and preach the good news. Why? Because when you find Jesus, it is like finding a treasure in a field. And what you do when you find that treasure is you sell everything that you have so you can buy that field and have that treasure. And that treasure is salvation through the gospel. And when you have that, you think, man, I need to share this with every single person that can hear it everybody that God would open a door of witness to. I need to allow this to be shared. I need to proclaim this because this is the greatest news. This is the greatest hope that anybody could have that can get you through any hardship in life, can get you through any time in life, can walk you through the greatest highs and through the greatest lows, through the greatest mountaintops and through the lowest valleys. Nothing can walk you through life like the gospel and the salvation that it has the power to bring in your life. And so Jesus says, when you are going out to share this, you are going to be walking into hardship. You are going to be beaten. You are going to be brought before the authorities. You are going to lose your family. You are going to be killed. And he is warning them because this is the mission that he is sending them on, that he is pushing them out to. Church, we can go through this hardship right now. I think that we can not only go through the hardship of what is happening in New York City right now, but we can proclaim the gospel amidst it. 
In the midst of what is happening right now, we can proclaim the gospel in a wise and a loving way so that people come to know Jesus that would have never come to know him otherwise. We've already seen it happen. We've celebrated the baptisms that we've seen happen over the last few months. I Just last, last two weeks ago, Right after I preached on Luke 15, I got two emails that night of family members that came to know Jesus because somebody was able to simply share the gospel with somebody. And with everything that has been going on, I can tell you, we have lost hope in the political system. We have lost hope in the financial system. We have lost hope in the housing market. We have lost hope in the security of our jobs. But there is one thing that has not disappointed, that when we put our hope in it, it will be a hope that will never, ever disappoint, and that is Jesus. And that is a hope that we carry. That when there are times of hardship, when there are times of worry, when there are times of panic in society, that is historically the greatest times for the church to begin to grow in mission. We can not only get through this time, church, but we can find new ways to proclaim the goodness of God that would have never otherwise been open to us. See, Joseph proclaimed in Genesis chapter 50 to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God used for good. If you know the story of Joseph, you know that he was sold into slavery. He was falsely accused and then thrown into jail. But ultimately, he ended up as the person that was in charge of Egypt. He was the equivalent of a prime minister. Pharaoh was still king and the authority, but he was the one who administrated all of the kingdom. And when his brothers came to meet him and he was able to give them food, even though they sold him into slavery and tried to kill him in his past, he proclaimed that what they meant for evil, God used for good. Hardship has been the number one factor in the spread of the gospel over the last 2,000 years. See, Jesus said something here, and we probably would have missed it, and it's this. When you are persecuted, he said, flee to the next town. In the book of Acts, right before Jesus ascends, he tells the disciples, you're going to be my witness in all of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But when the Holy Spirit comes, they only stay in Jerusalem. They don't go anywhere. But what happens is persecution comes through Saul, who we know as Paul. And when persecution comes, you see the church begin to flee to all the other towns around them. And when they flee, they bring the gospel with them to all these towns. And it starts the first real movement of the church bringing the gospel to the surrounding reasons, what regions, what Jesus originally told them to do. And so we see from the very beginning of the church that persecution was actually the number one factor in the spread of the gospel. And if you read church history, then you realize that persecution, hardship, pandemics, crises continues to be the number one thing that spreads the gospel throughout all the earth. Why? 
Because when the reality hits you, that money won't save you, that empires won't save you, that family won't save you, that all the things that you thought were secure are actually unsecure and your life is not promised to you tomorrow. There's only one truth and one hope we can rest in and that's Jesus. Through every pandemic, through every government purge, through every empire and every political system that has risen against the church, we have not only prevailed, but we have grown. I always wondered, Jesus, why haven't you come back yet? It's been 2,000 years. But there is one clear thing that has happened every time I've read church history, and that is this. There has been a clear progression and growth of the church, and we are far from done from completing our mission. We are far from done from bringing heaven on earth. We are far from done from bringing the kingdom of God to every corner, to every place, to every highway, to every rooftop, to every dark place. We are far from done from that. There is still a lot of work to be done. So do not be sad about our time right now. Do not be sad about what has happened, but actually rejoice right now. For many will come to know God and they will come to know God not through me, not through some special mega pastor. It is they are coming to know God through the church, through you, through the people around you in your house right now, through your house church, through your friends and your family. They will come to know God through the church, through the body being on mission like God has called us to be from the very beginning. This is how they will come to know God. And Jesus says this in verse 22, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. It's so easy to give up on the mission. It's so easy to just say I'm, I'm through, because it is hard. We will lose things. The world gives us so many things to fill our mission with, to say this is what you should live for, this is what you should aim towards. The world gives us money for that. You need more money, you need a better job. The world gives us entertainment. You need to be the best at this video game. You need to finish watching this season and then watch this show and then watch this movie. You need a promotion in your job. You need to have the best, strongest family ever. You need to get this degree and this title in your life. The world gives us so many things to fill our personal mission with. And so when we look at the mission that God gives us and we think, what do I get in the end? Beating, loss of friendship, of family, death? Why would I pick that? When I can strive towards things that will give me fame, money, wealth, power. Jesus's words, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Don't give up. Don't give up because of hardship. 
Don't give up because of persecution. Don't give up because when you think of the mission, it looks too big for you to accomplish. Don't give up. If we are a church on mission, if there are hundreds of us working together to bring the gospel to our neighbor, to our family, to our coworker, what we will see is the expansion of the kingdom of God right here in New York City. When literally article after article I read of the hopelessness of people, of how we are at our breaking point, and I don't need to read articles. I, I see it in my own life and in my own home. It is tough right now. It is easy to be driven crazy by the instability and the the quarantine and not being able to follow the rhythms of our normal life. But my encouragement to you right now is endure to the end. Don't look at this time as a time to survive, but look at it as a time the church has historically done, as a time to share the hope of Jesus with other people, to say, look at the systems of the world and how they will fail you over and over and over again. They will never bring joy. They will never bring satisfaction. They will never do what they promise to do. The only thing that will work, the only one who is truly worthy of having our hope in is Jesus Christ and him alone. And we can pray daily, God, show me how I can proclaim this message to my neighbor. Endure to the end. And Jesus ends this part with this, a disciple is not greater than his master. If the master, meaning himself, Jesus, was killed and called Satan, Beelzebul, what will happen to the rest of us? Right, if Jesus saying a servant is not greater than the master, if the master goes through this, then the servant, of course, is gonna go through this as well. We are the servants of Jesus. If they call you a bigot, if they call you intolerant for your views, it's okay, they call Jesus Satan. Can you imagine that? If they pass laws against us to harm the church, it's okay, they use the law to persecute and kill Jesus as well. If they beat us physically, if it comes to that, if they harm us emotionally and mentally, it's okay because we are in good company. We are with Jesus and the apostles because they did the same to them. If they killed Jesus, what do we expect they will do to us? Too often we have been discouraged because we have seen the decline of morality in America. So many times I hear Christians talk about the decline of morality and they're passing this law and this law and you just see it's just beginning worse and worse and worse. When you say things like that, you are saying that it's the political system of America that will save us. Let me tell you something very clearly. The American empire will rise and fall like every other empire in history has. But the thing that won't, that will stand the test of time, and that will prevail against the gates of hell, because this is not a political war, this is a spiritual war, where we come against 
the forces of darkness. The thing that will stand is the church. And our mission is clear from God to go into the fight, to go into the hardship, to jump in amongst the wolves and not to shrink back, not to walk away, not to be scared, but walk right into the heart of danger and know that we have a great shepherd who will make sure that we will do what we have been called to do. And we should proclaim the good news of the kingdom. Because as Tiffany said, he has given us authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to bring the kingdom of God everywhere we go. And so it does not matter what country is rising and what country is falling. What matters is the church being on mission and walking into the midst of the danger, into the midst of the hardship, into the midst of the darkness, and realizing this is exactly where Jesus called us to be and exactly where he sent us to go. And so when persecution comes, let it be for the glory of God that many more may know him. When hardship comes, church, let's no longer be sad. Let's no longer wallow in it and instead realize that we are in the greatest time, perhaps right now, in our lifetime, in our generation, to proclaim the good news of the gospel. And I'm going to give you a great place to start. If you don't know how and you don't know where, I want you to do something that I've learned time and time again will work no matter what. Start in prayer with your house church. Take a moment to pray today, out loud, verbally process before God in agreement with others and say, God, help me walk into this hard time, not to shrink back, not to cower in fear, but to boldly walk forward in mission. Just like the disciples, when they first, when Peter first preached that message and they took him to the synagogue, beat him and threatened him. And he said, I will not follow your rules and stay silent. I will follow the rules that God gave me instead. Church, let's walk into this season with the mission that God has called us to do knowing that it's gonna get hard, may get ugly, may get dirty, but we are right where God sent us into. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are up front right in the beginning when you told the disciples, this is going to be tough. You told them exactly what to expect. Lord, and so I pray that we would walk away from every false theology, every false ideology that made us believe it would be easy. And instead, let us pray, God, send us into the turmoil, send us into the danger, send us into the darkness 
that we would go with your authority and with your power to bring the kingdom of heaven everywhere we go, that we would bring the battle right to the gates of hell and that we would know as you have told us before that the gates of hell will not prevail. Your church will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.